By now, you've probably heard the story about the fight between the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the local Jesuit high school over adherence to Catholic morality in the high school's hiring practices. If not, here's the too brief summary. Basically, the Jesuit high school had an employee who was found to be in a fake marriage. The employee is same-sex attracted and apparently living the so-called lifestyle that goes with it. To be clear, they're not someone carrying the cross of same-sex attraction in accordance with the moral teachings of the church. As the story goes, the school refused to obey the directive from the archdiocese to not renew the employment contract of this employee who was found to be a material and formal violation of archdiocesan policies and church law when the archbishop demanded that they do so, as the archdiocese requires its employees to live in accordance with the moral law of the church. This is a standard requirement across the United States and presumably around the world. Catholic organizations of all stripes are required to adhere to the moral law of the church in hiring, as are the employees in their personal lives. This is perfectly legal, by the way, as we'll get into, and has in recent years caused problems with the secular world. In this case, the Jesuits refused to obey the bishop, which is predictable given the condition of the Jesuits. They cited personal conscience, the favorite excuse of modernist Catholics to find themselves in personal schism with the church on issues related to sexual morality almost exclusively. This battle has gone on for two years, resulting this past week in the archdiocese stripping the Jesuit school of its Catholicity. That is, they're no longer permitted to call themselves a Catholic school, a decision that the Jesuits have already promised to disobey as well. One wonders why the bishop hasn't just kicked the Jesuits out of his archdiocese the way that traditionalist priestly fraternities have been kicked out of other dioceses in the recent past. Needless to say, the Jesuits have promised to use the standard appeals process, which may end in an appeal being sent to Rome, you know, where the Jesuit is sitting on the throne of Peter. I'm not holding my breath for orthodoxy being upheld in this instance, and you really shouldn't either. This controversy has spilled into the digital pages of Catholic media. America Magazine, that Jesuit magazine that is only marginally better than the National Catholic Reporter, cited a canon lawyer who stated that while the bishop certainly has the authority to act in this way towards diocesan organizations, that high school is run by a religious order, you know, the Jesuits, and that's where the laws get murky. This will likely lead to an appeals process that starts at the diocesan level, but will certainly work its way up to and through the Vatican hierarchy into the Congregation for Catholic Education at the Vatican. Now that might sound bad, but it isn't necessarily, as that congregation did just release a document in recent weeks rejecting gender ideology and the idea that people can choose their own genders. Over at the YouTube channel, The Wandering Soul, he, uh, he did a good video on that topic, a link to it that is found on the pinned comment below. He does a good job explaining the transgender document and going over its implications. Notice something about this case, though. It relies on the favorite modernist trump card in all issues of sexual morality, personal conscience. Note that personal conscience is never invoked for other reasons, such as, say, usury or other economic, economic issues or issues related to the environment. I mean, can you imagine someone coming out and saying, my conscience tells me that it's perfectly okay for me to dump these plastic straws in the ocean? No, you can't imagine that because it'd be utterly ridiculous. But you can't also for one reason. The only issue of personal conscience anyone cares about are the below-the-belt issues. 
Sexual morality is the only thing that is that it is ever applied to. Here's a second one. Imagine for a moment if we tried to apply personal conscience to not going to the new Mass on Sundays, and that our conscience told us we could skip that Mass, even if we don't have any kind of Latin Mass, or Eastern Rite Liturgy, or even Eastern Orthodox Liturgy to go to. And no, I'm not advocating that position. What do you think the Church would say about that? This will be an interesting test to see just how firmly the grip of modernism is on the Church today. Will the Vatican actually uphold Church law? Will it clarify church law in such a way that gives religious orders a lot of freedom to ignore their bishops? What comes to mind is the case of the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart, that group out in rural New England whose crime it was to say the Old Mass and to teach the hard truths of the faith, including, and especially, Extra Ecclesium Nola Salus. There is no salvation outside the church. They were ordered by their bishop to cease saying the Mass and to function, functionally cease operations despite their reaffirming the Catholic faith and the creeds. There may be implications for that group and others in the outcome of this case, so watch for that. For those who are wondering, American law supports the church and the bishop in this matter. That may be surprising to a lot of people, but religious groups can discriminate in hiring. One of the American laws most Catholics don't know about is this, that it is 100% legal for religious institutions to hire based on religion, meaning that Catholic institutions can hire based on the applicant being Catholic or living in accordance to Catholic values. For example, I live near a small to medium-sized Protestant university, and I've never applied for work there because they explicitly say on their job postings that applicants must adhere to a confessional Christian religion and be a member of a local confessional Christian church. Confessional Christian is old-fashioned code for no atheists and no Catholics need apply, and it's 100% within their legal rights to do so. Yet Catholic organizations rarely invoke this right, with disastrous effects. That lack of adherence is one reason that when someone we argue with says, huh, you know, I spent eight years in Catholic school, so I know what I'm talking about, you know that there's a good chance that, in fact, they don't know a thing about the Catholic faith. The major Catholic women's high school in the city I went to university in had a controversy three or four years ago where a woman with same-sex attraction came out of the closet after she had been employed by the school, which was run by a religious order, by the way, and got a fake marriage to her partner. She was fired and threatened to sue the school, causing a local controversy that led to secular donors threatening to withdraw funding from the school. That school caved rather predictably. It's a telling sign about the state of Catholic education. Now, to be sure, not all Protestant schools keep to that rule closely, but many do, more than most Catholic schools, which are themselves secular these days anyway. The Catholic university I worked at for a time had a Catholic employee population of just under 50%, with one of the senior executives being a relatively mild-mannered evangelical Protestant minister. Why our schools don't follow this rule is honestly something I'll never understand, other than, of course, because of modernism, which promotes universalism and ecumenism. Hence, Protestants become our separated brethren, despite Christ telling us all to be one, and that he who hears the bishops hears him. And of course, even atheists and non-Christian religions have access to God. As Bishop Barron told Ben Shapiro recently, Jesus Christ is the privileged path to God. That attitude permeates everything in the church today, and it's why our schools and hospitals and charities are barely recognizable as Catholic anymore. That attitude is relativism, pure and simple. This relativism is part and parcel of modernism, that synthesis of all heresies that we now see everywhere in the church. 
Once we understand modernism at its most basic level, our perceptions of life in the church becomes much more accurate, and we can see the spiritual horrors before us with much greater clarity. Sadly, that means when bishops do their job, we are almost shocked when it happens. And that's because one of the greatest enablers of modernism is the cowardice of those in leadership positions to stand for the truth of the faith. So in this case, praise must be given to Archbishop Charles Thompson of Indianapolis for doing the right thing. Pray for him. And if you're on Twitter or other social media and you find his account, send him a message of support. He must be facing hard pressure to pinch incense to the values of the world the way the Jesuits have been doing for 60 years or longer. Bishops like Thompson need our support, at least on this issue. If you live in his archdiocese, let me know in the comments if he's one of the better bishops in the United States. This is really the first time I've heard about him. As always, thank you for, for your support. Keep praying for the liberation of the church. It does look like we're living in one of those periods in history where all lies and deceptions are coming to light. So pray for the continued liberation of the church and for the truth to continue coming to light. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.